0: This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. We are in our spiritual maturity series. Began some time ago. Today we're going to be looking at the book of Psalms. But we will look specifically at Psalm 92. And shed some light on wisdom from that psalm. Needed. If you didn't notice, this is a Holy Ghost curriculum. He's got us on a journey. Last time, he had us pondering the thoughts of what blessings there are in having a holy submission happening in our life unto God. Holy submission. And he wants us to submit for a reason. It's so a foundation of God's grace is going to connect us as true disciples. And um, we have to be sufficiently satisfied in our personal needs. And um, God's going to bring his gracious presence in the core of our innermost being and dissipate any darkness and help us to submit to the sovereign will of God. Enough of this permissive will stuff. No. Let's go for the sovereign will of God. Let's not, amen, be weary in well-doing, but be weary in evil-doing, and be sick and tired of being sick and tired, amen, and go forward in Jesus's matchless name. Submit and commit to the will of God. Here we are today. There's a reason why we need to do that. Psalm 92, I'm going to read to your hearing from the Amplified version, Psalm 92. This is a praise for the Lord's goodness, a song for the Sabbath day. I'm going to give you now a comprehension purpose as we are listening to these verses. Think of the praise as your life. Think of the song for the Sabbath day as this is the day that the Lord has made every day being his Sabbath day. He should rise to his rest and be blessed with our praise, not our uh, tug of war against his will. So think about that as we are reading these verses. Psalm 92, it reads, it is a good and delightful thing to give thanks to the Lord. To sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night with an instrument of ten strings and with the harp, with a solemn sound on the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your works. At the works of your hands I joyfully sing. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep beyond man's understanding. A senseless man, in his crude and uncultivated state, knows nothing. Nor does a self-righteous person, which God considers foolish, Will understand this that though the wicked sprout up, these are the things that God uh, is telling us a senseless person detached from the spiritual vitality of being in God in a right relationship, uh, transformed by the power of His hand. Um, spiritually so. You will not have the spiritual mind to fathom the following things. That though the wicked sprout up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. See, people are thinking that though they are blessed right now, seemingly without the sovereign will of God, they are blessed anyway. But verse 7 says not. <laughs> verse 8. But you, Lord, are on high forever for behold your enemies will perish all who do evil will be scattered by my horn the horn is in parenthesis here in the verse my emblem of strength and power you have exalted like that of a wild ox i am anointed with fresh oil for your service that's what the anointing oil is. It's a commissioning. Amen. My eye has looked on my foes. My ears hear the evildoers who rise up against me. The righteous will flourish like the date palm, a long-lived, upright, and useful. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic and stable. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God Growing in grace. They will still thrive and bear fruit and prosper in old age. They will flourish and be vital and fresh, rich in trust and love and contentment. They are living memorials, like living legends, if you will, to declare that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Amen. So the Spirit of God today is seeking to renew our faith. And how is he going to do that? With a new anointing, a new commissioning. There's new things to be done. There's a remedial work to recoup that which should have been done and has not yet been done. So those things seemingly are new because they haven't been done yet. So he's going to renew our faith with things to do because faith without work from God is a dead thing. Amen. So this new anointing is work that will enable us to move from mere rote duty to inspired devotion. He wants to move us like that, not just making a motion, but to have an attached devotion. Amen. So he can help each of us to uh, examine the nuances of how our individual lives of worship should, can, and and must develop against the backdrop of anti-Christian thinking in our modern world. Even though the secular humanistic cultures of this world live to exclude the very creator uh, from his universe, his creation yet sings the harmonies of heaven validating his authenticity every single day you could see his handiwork amen yelling forth who did it giving glory to him if you have chosen to answer god's call for your personal life uh, to become one of his holy representatives that walk every day in his will Then you too must sound out with the rest of his creation and sing a compelling praise that glorifies the Lord. This is where the Holy Ghost has us right here and right now. Prophetically so. He's going to shed light of wisdom on this. Sing a compelling praise that glorifies the Lord. Compelling Amen. We're going to deal with what that means from the Holy Ghost, because you cannot trust um, Webster and uh, the rest of these dictionaries uh, for what the Holy Ghost really meant. The word of God reveals how Jesus is our omnipotent king. He's all powerful. Amen. But also he is our meek teacher. He has strength under control. He doesn't burn us up with his presence. He allows us to sense him, to understand where he would have us to go, what he would have us to do. Amen. And that's a gracious gift. He's seeking to show us how to give glory to the heavenly father as he does. He helps us understand the difference between these two camps earthly wisdom, and heavenly wisdom. There's a difference. He's going to provide us a knowledge base for building and strengthening our holy faith as his covenant people, covenant disciples, those who are following Jesus by the power of the Holy Ghost leading up to the Heavenly Father. Amen. So this is an imperative that we ought to be singing a compelling praise that glorifies the Lord. It's a word of encouragement, though, for all of the Lord's covenant disciples to embrace his uh, heavenly father's gift, his or her heavenly father's gift in their life, a gift of grace to enjoy the journey of faith that we all must take if we are going to say that we are in fellowship with him. We didn't just wake up one morning and knew how to do this. It's a gift of grace. Thank God. So when Jesus told the parable of the great supper in Luke 14, specifically at verse 23, the master said to the servant, quote, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled, End quote. Uh, a lot of translations use the words compel them that phrase uh, but when we look at you know standard dictionaries uh, how they define it these words certainly seem overly strong because it's, it's it's if we're going to uh, you know force people somehow against their will even um, so our secular dictionaries do not readily define the way the spirit intends Uh, for us to understand this revelation of God's word. People of holy faith are instructed to walk in the spirit, right? And not in the familiar earthly way, which tends to be ungodly, which we term in a phrase, the flesh, amen? When God says compel, he wants us to be compelling in his gracious manner, in loving kindness, beseeching. We've heard some writers in the word of God saying, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the what mercies of God. So it's a beseeching ministry and we're not to belittle others with a cloak of maliciousness and arrogance. So if the Lord is good, as the scriptures reveal, a life gifted with his holy character can and should be sensed or tasted by the world according to psalm 34 8 in the niv it says taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the one who takes refuge in him people should be more readily able to sense the better station of eternal refuge in god in the lives of Christians, as opposed to the unprotected finite pleasures of pop culture uh, that this world has to offer, uh, which ultimately will lead to an unfortunate eternal separation from God. The devil makes uh, pop culture and its road that leads to destruction uh, palatable, tolerable, something that's cool, something that should be the way to go, but we know it is a deceitful trick. Psalm 92 is described for that reason as a Sabbath day song, wherein we should stop to think about the marvelous work and works of the creator, Jesus Christ. Maintaining such a daily focus is important in our lives as believers, especially with regard to being a light in sinful darkness, a savory uh, taste of effective salt in ungodly blandness. This psalm is food for thought, if you will. In other words, marching orders for us, uh, those who seek to walk in the spirit, that is. Uh, Walk in the spirit, in other words, live according to God's instructions. Our modern day songs or ways of discipleship tend to be general about God's power. But we need to do what God says if we are going to experience his power. And search with great motivation until we find out specifically down to the most minute detail just how good God really is. Then we will have, you know, more to sing about. Uh, When I say sing about, I'm talking about exemplifying with our lives uh, to bring a greater quality of glory. to God's matchless name. Now, the Holy Spirit inspired me to write a parable, and it goes like this. Imagine a man was given free entrance into the most appealing exhibits of art and science and musical recitals of all time. He would be able to see and hear things that were so remarkable that he would be overwhelmed with joy and gratitude for the very experience. However... He chose to walk through the exhibit with a blindfold and earplugs that were sold to him by a jealously wicked and compelling merchant at the entrance. So instead of a raving review based on an unprecedented positive experience, the man gave a numb acknowledgement of the fact that, like so many others, he had walked through being greatly disappointed by a meaningless waste of time. A few people were able to resist the whims of the compelling merchant to enter without the blindfold and earplugs and to enjoy the exhibits. They gave a glorious report about what they heard and saw, but were laughed to scorn by the deceived man and the large crowd he followed. Now, this parable has characters, right? And you can sense that they are scripture-based, this whole plot. Uh, So which character represents how you exercise your praise language? Your praise language is how you live, how you exhibit Christ through your life. Will you allow the enemy to entertain you with a song of doubt, making God seem like a meaningless maze instead of being graciously amazing to us? Are there times in your life when you feel like the Jews that were held captive by the ancient Babylonians who hung their harps in the willow trees that seemed to weep along with them as they asked each other, as chronicled in Psalm 137 and verse 4 How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? They were summoned in this part of their experience uh, to sing one of their praise songs to amuse their captors. Sing us one of your songs, you know? Entertain us. Would you want to sing such, uh, such a song at such a time? Would you want to sing on such a stage? What happened to the people of God? In that experience, they failed to sing unto God when they could have sung unto him. They failed to live faithfully when they could have. That's what that means. In the freedom of a God-protected providence. Instead, they faltered and failed in faithlessness. Will we allow history to repeat itself? If God is great and greatly to be praised, like we like to say, then it is always high time to give him the what? Highest, most excellent praise that his name so rightfully deserves, instead of excuses of why we cannot. And uh, we need to we need to shift such a downward attitude and demeanor to one of upward gratitude We need to look for the chance to turn on the switches of our praise engines whenever we can, amen. As people of God, we need to remain encouraged to be who we are supposed to be, sound how we're supposed to sound, think how we're supposed to think, and do what we're supposed to be doing, amen. We cannot improve how our life song is, When we're not studying who God is the way we ought to be studying, we can never improve our song about God. And you know what? If we're going to sing about God, wouldn't it behoove us to know about him a little better, to understand him better, not paint a picture of him, but take him as he is? Amen. Let me help you sing your praise to the Lord this morning. Amen. God's word, the Holy Bible is his loving journal of life he opens the pages to us and reveals the truth of his word by his spirit these words in his book become our marching orders let's take a jet journey through the entire bible from genesis to revelation and it will enable us to have some wisdom about singing our praise to the lord here's the question who is the lord Now, I'm not going to go through every book in the Bible in an uh, expository manner, but I've chosen a pictorial because I don't want anybody going to sleep. Amen. As our Alpha, the beginning in Genesis through Deuteronomy, he is the creator God, the redeemer, our sanctification. He's our guide. He's our teacher. As Alpha, he's what? creator God, Redeemer, our sanctification, our guide, our teacher. He's got to pull us through the journey with these characteristics, with these auspices of his anointing. Amen. Now, he goes from the beginning and leads us. He's the author and what? Finisher of our faith. At the end, he's the omega, the end. He's not just the end, though. He's not a dead end. He's a new eternal beginning in jude and revelation we could see those bookends helping to encapsulate that thought he is the foundation of our holy faith and our coming king he's coming back again has he been your king all along though if he has been your king all along he's coming for you he can't come for you if you're not one of his subjects all along he's coming back for his church his church is uh, the fold, the flock, people who have gathered in His name to worship Him. He has been that fence of protection around them, and he holds them in the, in the hollow of his hand. Ah, are you one of those people who have submitted, therefore, to God? If we look at this holy Ghost sandwich of the Word of God, the beginning and the end, all the inside, middle part. That's the rest of the word from the beginning of the world to its end. There is no place you can look and not see Jesus. Jesus is everywhere. Jesus is in everything. He made everything. There was not anything made that was made without him. Amen. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, according to Colossians 1:17. "The Lord holds all things together with His wisdom. What is the difference between the praises of worldly wisdom and the praises of heavenly wisdom? Think about these, and we will be done. Are you with me? Amen? The two types of wisdom. Worldly wisdom on one side, spiritual wisdom from God on the other side. Worldly wisdom is this. Uh, It sees the message of the cross as foolish. First Corinthians 118 lets you know about that. But spiritual wisdom, of course, goes against that. Realizing the message of the cross is the very power, the omnipotent power of God in First Corinthians Uh, 118 we see how the devil might put it but God stops him amen makes him cease and desist comes against amen the wicked thought stymies it hinders it destroys it the anointing of God what destroys how the devil can bind you up and keep you captive Jesus sets the captives free doesn't he worldly wisdom does not know God according to first Corinthians 121 but according to 1 Corinthians 2, 5, demonstrates the power of God. See, God is going to demonstrate his power. So worldly wisdom boasts in people, in men. 1 Corinthians 3, 21. But spiritual wisdom, amen, glorifies in who? The Lord. Amen. When you see people talking about themselves a little bit too much, there's something wrong there. Amen. Uh, Worldly wisdom takes pride in human knowledge. Spiritual wisdom knows the mind of Christ. Worldly wisdom is puffed up. Spiritual wisdom seeks meekness and humility. It doesn't say you're a rug to be stepped on. That's not what it is, amen. (laughs) Look in 1 Corinthians 2, 3 to know the whole gist. Worldly wisdom criticizes spiritual leadership. Spiritual wisdom submits to spiritual leadership. Amen. They can take the scripture and say, you know, those who have the rule over me is not a bad thing. Amen. Worldly wisdom relies on the power of words. But holy spiritual wisdom relies on the power of God. First Corinthians 420 for both of those worldly wisdom takes pride in personal accomplishments But spiritual wisdom recognizes God as source of everything. Amen. Worldly wisdom scoffs at differences, but spiritual wisdom respects diversity. It allows you to be you in God. Amen. Worldly wisdom uh, insists on personal rights and entitlements. But if you're going to be of the holy mindset, you will become servant of all. And you don't have to be afraid of that because God will protect you. He won't allow you to be just a doormat. Amen. Worldly wisdom is insensitive to others. But spiritual wisdom edifies others. Amen. 1 Corinthians 8 helps us to know about that. Worldly wisdom arrogantly wounds others. But the spiritual wisdom of God seeks another's well being. See the difference? Worldly wisdom leads to envy, strife, and division. But spiritual wisdom pursues unity in God. Worldly wisdom is full of malice and contempt, my God. Spiritual wisdom stands in the way of agape, love of God. Amen. It's altruistic. It seeks the betterment of others, better than their own selves. Ah, worldly wisdom is subject to fall, but spiritual wisdom stands up under temptation. It will not falter. God can keep you from falling if you keep your mind stayed on him, that is. Amen. Worldly wisdom will be caught in its own craftiness, while spiritual wisdom maintains self-control and discipline. Self-control is not you controlling yourself, but the Holy Ghost controlling yourself. Amen. Thank God. Worldly wisdom has immature understanding, which is why the Holy Ghost has us in the spiritual maturity series. Amen. Because spiritual wisdom develops maturity. First Corinthians two six. And lastly, worldly wisdom will not last. Amen. But of course spiritual wisdom will last throughout all eternity. Don't you want to put your hopes in things eternal? Which means it behooves us to hold on what God's unchanging hand. You know, every good gift and perfect gift comes from the father of lights where there is no variableness, nor what shadow of turning. Amen. So take this thought. You cannot afford to let the enemy sing you into a prison of dead promises. The devil goes about as a roaring lion, but also as a piped piper. He's going to sing songs and hymns, spiritual songs, and make you have melody in your heart that's going against God. He counters what God is doing. If you sing the devil's songs of temporary pleasures, you will hinder your own opportunity to praise your way out of the devil's darkness. When you sing your praise to the Lord, He will recondition your heart and transform your life. He's going to cleanse your hands. He's going to purify your heart. He will. He's going to encourage you. He's going to be the uplifter of your head. He's going to fill you once again with his goodness. Hallelujah. I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. He will make your life a song that brings glory to his throne in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He made you for this purpose. We have to be encouraged to defeat the devil. Amen. Uh, From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoicing in God and being glad in God is the hallelujah. Hallelujah. My hallelujah belongs to God. Hallelujah is a defense. Hallelujah is also an offense. Amen. It's blocking the devil and also destroying the works of the enemy. Amen. So we have to have the hallelujah ever flowing in our heart or we're going to go down. My God, Jesus is able to keep us from falling. But if we don't keep the hallelujah there, we're going to fall. If you're not fighting, you're falling. God made us for a heavenly purpose. We have to be encouraged to wake up every morning with the mind to defeat the devil. We need to sing a compelling praise that glorifies the Lord. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the holy word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.